0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you, also, who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. Thank you for that. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, blessed day. Thank you for just your love and your grace and your mercy and just your faithfulness. We thank you that we have this opportunity to come together as a church to worship you and to be now in the scriptures. And we just pray that as we have this time, uh, thinking about what you have to say to us in your word, we pray that you would bless this time, that you would encourage, you would convict us, and you would also remind us of how truly amazing and loving and faithful you are, and we pray that we would just respond with worship, with faith, with obedience unto you. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this month, month of October, is actually a special day in our family, definitely for me, because it's actually the month that I uh, I proposed to my then I guess girlfriend, my wife now, Hera, and I remember. Um, you know, I got married a little later in life, and so I, I got a lot of pressure, right, from my from my parents especially. You know, every time I would be in any type of relationship, they'd be like, "Is it, you know, are you ready? Do you think it's time?" And you know, it would always be no. And you know, finally, I met someone, and I was I was excited. I said, "You know, she's the one," and I bought the ring in the summer. Uh, I was all ready, and. And you know, i have been thinking, well, I'm not much of a romantic, but I think she would appreciate me taking her somewhere like romantic, right? So I figure out where do you take her and figure it out, it's like a nice rose garden. And you know, I, I talked to somebody I knew, we were very close. He's, you know, he's kind of a photographer, so I got him to like, come and hide so he could take pictures of us. And I, I remember thinking of like, where to go for dinner and then how to meet certain people just to celebrate after. So I had all this stuff planned out. And I was very confident she would say yes, Right? So I wasn't too worried about that part of it. But you know, you're excited. right? You get kind of nervous about it, and you plan everything. You want to make it as perfect as possible. And then obviously the day comes, and you know, we were together, and I took her there. And I actually remember we ran into the guy who was supposed to take pictures. She didn't know him yet. And so I was like, oh, you know he's somebody that I know. He's like a church member. And then she got a little weirded out because she wouldn't leave the area. He was like taking pictures of flowers. <laughs> and she was like, can we just leave? Can we not be here? He's this weird. And I was like, no, no, you have to stay here. Uh, because obviously, you know, I was getting ready to propose. I remember I proposed. You know, obviously you said yes. and know, some crying and, you know, just hugging and everything's great. And obviously he's over there taking pictures. And I remember after it happened, right? Just you just get so excited, so you just want to share. Right? You want to share that news with people. And so obviously I put up the obligatory social media post, right? To make sure people know about. You know, obviously you're calling your family. I saw her like, talking to her, like her friends. Why? Because something great has happened, something, you know, that's really exciting in your life has happened, and so you just can't wait. It's good news, right? It's not bad news, it's good news, and so you're excited to share with those you love, and even those maybe you don't love that much, you want them to know about this great thing that has happened in your life. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that kind of sentiment, that kind of feeling when something exciting happens, and you want to share. And Paul, in our passage today, is kind of talking about that something exciting that happens, something amazing that happens in the life of every single Christian. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a pastor. But if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, the gospel has been real, has, has changed, transformed your life. And to be honest, what is more exciting than the good news of Christ, than the gospel? And when I know that good news, I'm excited. Right? I want to share. I want the whole world to know about this gospel. So I want to look at this passage today. Very actually, pretty well known passage by Paul in the book of Romans. And as we think about what Paul is saying to us today, I really have three points that I want to make today. And it's obligated to share the gospel, um, and not just obligated, but eager share the gospel. And lastly, not ashamed of the gospel. So obligated to share the gospel, eager to share the gospel, and not ashamed of the gospel. If you look at today's passage uh, that Brother Alex has read very well, it starts by saying, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. He says, I'm under obligation. Now, when you see the word Greeks, barbarians, wise, and foolish, really he means I'm obligated to everyone, right? Greeks and non-Greeks or barbarians meant like civilized, maybe not so civilized, obviously wise, foolish. And really, what is, what is Paul saying? Paul's saying is I am obligated to everyone. Now, what does that mean? Now, the word obligated here, really the best translation would actually be to say I am a debtor, or right? I am a debtor. Now, when you think of debt, what is debt? Debt is when you borrow money, usually directly from somebody, when, you, when your debt is being entrusted with money. So when you think of debt, I mean, I guess easy example would be a mortgage, right? You, you wanna buy a house, and let's say you see a house in the town that you want, it's a nice house, I mean, I don't know, let's just say for argument, say, I'll make up a number, let's say cost, I don't know, $800,000, nice house. But you don't have $800,000, you have, I don't know, maybe $200,000, and so you say, let me put that down payment down. So what do you do? You, you go to a bank, and you try to borrow the rest of your money. And you go through a whole process, a lot of paperwork. But at the end of the day, a mortgage means I am borrowing this amount of money so I can buy something that I want. And that is ultimately debt. And that debt, I am obligated to pay right? That's how debt works. I have to pay back the bank. Obviously, if I don't pay back the bank, I will lose the house, right? So, you're obligated to pay back the debt that I have incurred. I borrowed money from you. You've entrusted me with that money. I used it, and now I am obligated to pay it back. Now, Paul, though, he says he's in debt. He says he's obligated to Greeks, non-Greeks, wise, foolish. He's saying I have to pay you back, in a sense. I'm obligated to do that, but if you think about it, they haven't given him anything. But generally, if I'm indebted to you, generally if I'm obligated to pay back debt to you, that means you have given me something and I'm paying back. Paul has not received anything from these people he is talking about, but he has received from the Lord. And so what Paul is saying is, I have received something from God that makes me now obligated not to pay God back, right? I can't pay God back. because the, What he's given me is grace, but I'm going to pay, in a sense, I'm obligated to do something for you, right? So I've received, and now I'm obligated to you. But what, have I, what does he receive? He's received grace. He's received the gospel. Now, Paul, we all know this. Well, I hope you know this, was not born, right, a faithful Christian. His name was Saul. But right, He was a Jew, a very zealous Jew. He was a Pharisee, a learned Jew. But his mission in his life before he came to Christ was to persecute Christians. But he didn't like Christians. And he persecuted them, right? He went looking for them. And he was somebody that I think Christians were probably scared of. He was even there when Stephen was martyred. And he was there giving approval to that, to his death. And so, Paul was somebody who he knew was a sinner, somebody who he probably thought would have never been loved by Christ, and yet we all know the story of how Christ came into his life, completely transformed his life. And so Paul knows, here I am, a sinner, the worst of sinners, and yet Christ came into my life. Christ died on the cross for a sinner like me. So he knows the gospel. He knows the free grace of God. It has completely transformed His life. And so now Paul is saying, because of the grace that I have received, because of the gospel that has completely transformed my life, the gospel that has been entrusted to me, now I am obligated to preach, to share this gospel message, not just with whoever I want to, but really with everyone that God points me to, whether they're wise, whether they're foolish, right, whether they are. Greeks, whether they are barbarians, it really does not matter. God has given me grace. God has given me the gospel. He has completely changed my life. He has forgiven me. He has adopted me. He has justified me. He has loved me. And now I am a debtor. I am obligated to share that message with others. That's what Paul is saying. And we may think, well, Paul's a missionary, or Paul's an apostle, and so of course he should do that. But me, you know, not so much, but if I'm a Christian and if you're a Christian, I trust that you are, the gospel has changed my life too. The gospel has changed your life. I know grace. You know grace. We have been saved by grace. Grace. Not by our works. We've been forgiven because of his grace, his mercy. The gospel has taken a sinner like me, a sinner like you, and has completely transformed us into beautiful, perfect children of God because of Christ's work on the cross, his death, his resurrection. The gospel has changed our lives. And so for us as well, just like the Apostle Paul, we have an obligation. If we know this grace, if our lives have been transformed by this grace, we are obligated now to want to share that message with others. And obviously that starts in our own families, our communities, right? Maybe our schools, our places of work, but also, as Paul says, really to everyone. And that is why, obviously, for us, missions is also so important because it's not just about sharing the gospel with people in our own neighborhoods, but we want people all over the world to know Christ so that they may be worshiping our amazing God with us, right? We want people all over the world, especially those who have not heard about Jesus, to hear that gospel message and to worship him, to know him, to love him, to be loved by him. And so we are obligated to share that gospel and to support and encourage those who are also sharing that gospel message. But, not only am I obligated, also we're called to be eager to share the gospel. right? We're obligated to share the gospel because of the gospel has completely transformed our lives, but we are also eager to share the gospel. You look at our passage today, verse 15. Paul says, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So he just said, I'm obligated right, to Greeks, to barbarians, to the wise, to the foolish, I have to, I'm indebted, I have a debt, I have to share the gospel, but it's not just a matter of duty, or, you know, a matter of commitment, it's just a matter of, this is what I have to do, he's saying, I also desire to, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, I want to say something here, Paul has not been to Rome yet, so if you look at some of the other books in the Bible, You know, you could see the the personal relationship, like Philippians, we see the personal relationship. You see, for example, the Corinthians, even though he's rebuking them, like you see the relationship in some of these books. Romans is actually a very long book, 16 chapters, and he breaks down a lot of theology in the book of Romans. And part of that is because he hasn't had a chance, really, to minister to them in person. And so it is, these are people that, Obviously, he come to know Christ, but he hasn't been there yet. And he wants to be with them. He wants to teach them. He wants to love them. He wants to share the gospel with them. So he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. But if you think about it logically, he shouldn't be that eager. Because Rome, what is Rome? Rome is the capital of the Roman Empire. right? It's like the evil empire, right? And it's the capital. And so, I think Paul should know, probably does know, that if he goes to Rome, there'll probably be more suffering. He's already suffered a lot, and perhaps he may die in Rome. And if you read church history, it's not in the Bible, so I don't want to say 100%, but church historians seem to think that Paul did die, actually, in Rome. And so, here is the apostle Paul. Right? who's already suffering for the sake of the gospel, if he goes to Rome, there's probably more suffering, probably death, possibly death involved. And yet he is eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. And obviously he wants to preach the gospel to non-believers, but also he says to you, and he's obviously writing to Christians, so he also wants to preach the gospel to Christians in Rome. Right? He wants people that don't know Christ to hear the gospel, to be saved, to worship God, but also he wants to encourage and help Christians that are there by preaching the gospel to continue to grow in Christ. And he is eager to go, really. And this is the front lines. Right? This is the front line. This is a place, logically, where maybe you wouldn't want to go. And yet, because he loves the Lord, he loves the people of God, he loves the gospel, he wants to go to Rome. And it's kind of an amazing thing. You look at Paul's life, and you look at him sharing the gospel everywhere. He's been whipped. right? He's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been thrown in jail wrongfully, he just suffers for the sake of Christ, not because of his wrongdoing, because of being faithful to the calling that God has given him to share the gospel, and yet, even though he goes through all this suffering, he goes through all this pain, he continues to be eager to preach the gospel, and he wants to go to Rome. And I want to encourage us, now, I don't think anyone is calling us to be whipped or stoned right or to go to jail or anything like that but we should be eager to share the gospel and that might just be in my own town my my school my workplace my my family my friends you know as God gives me different opportunities to somehow share the gospel you know maybe by starting with the way i act by modeling Christ in my life and looking for opportunities when I can actually talk about him and, you know, share that good news. But also, obviously, we want to be eager for that gospel to be shared everywhere. And if I can't go there, then obviously we want to send and to encourage and to support those who are going. And that is that's a beautiful thing. And I, I do pray that as a church, we will continue to be a church, is eager to preach, to share the gospel wherever God sends us, wherever God calls us to go or to send, to support, because we want that gospel to be preached everywhere. And we want people to come to Christ, and we want people to be encouraged in Christ, and we want people to be worshiping God with us. And so we see this obligation, we see this eagerness to preach the gospel, but lastly, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We're obligated because of the grace we receive. We are eager because how amazing the gospel is. We are not ashamed of the gospel. You know, it was interesting. When I looked at this word, I don't know why, the first memory that I had of being ashamed and, you know, it was actually I remember my dad, I think I shared this many times, is a pastor. And so sometimes my dad, when I was growing up, something would be wrong with our car, so he would borrow the church van. You know, the big van, the 15 passengers, it says church bus, church name, and sometimes he would drop me off, like, church, at school, different places. And I don't know why, but as a kid, every time he did that, I was so, like, ashamed. Like, oh, I don't want people to see me coming out of a church van with the church bus sign. And so I would sometimes, I'd be like, oh, I wish my dad would drop me, like, two blocks away, right? And I, I don't know why, that was the first memory that came into my mind. The second memory that came into my mind because I remember in high school, I wore there was this thing called Jesus Day. Uh, I think it was a day about Jesus, obviously. And I wore a shirt that said Jesus Day. And so I went to school, and in my homeroom, you know, this, this student in the, my homeroom, we weren't friends, but we knew each other. And she says to me, what is Jesus Day? I'm like, what? Can you tell me about Jesus Day, your T-shirt? And, you know, you would think, right, me wearing this shirt, I would be like, yes. God has given me this opportunity. I didn't go to her. She came to me. I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. Oh, God, Jesus Day, you know. Like I, I was just mumbling a couple of words, and I didn't want to talk about it. I remember thinking, I'm so, I'm so dumb. I'm wearing literally a shirt that says Jesus Day, and yet I have no desire to talk about Jesus to this girl because I'm embarrassed. I'm kind of ashamed about it. And those are the two memories that came to me. And when we think about being ashamed, right? we can be ashamed of different people in our lives. We can be ashamed of ourselves. And maybe you might even think, yeah, maybe sometimes I'm ashamed to call myself a Christian. Maybe when I go to school, especially in our political climate these days, when I go to work, when I'm with my friends or my business associates or social networks, and they ask me, what do you do on Sunday? Maybe I don't want to say I go to church. Maybe I don't want to even say I'm a Christian. Maybe I'm afraid of the follow-up questions that come with that. And we may be ashamed at times about our faith, about what it means to be a Christian. We may not want to talk about Jesus to somebody, even when the opportunities are there. But Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And by this, he's not just saying, I'm not embarrassed, I'm scared to talk about it. Obviously, he preached the gospel, but he's saying, I'm proud of the gospel. Right. He says in a famous passage, Galatians six, where Paul says these amazing words: he "says, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world." He boasts in the cross. He is proud of the gospel. He can't wait to share about this good news, about this amazing Savior. And so for Paul, he says, I am not ashamed. It's not just I'm not embarrassed or I'm, not, I'm, I'm a little too ashamed to talk about something. No, I am willing to give my life for this. I boast in this. This is the thing that's the most important to me. And I want people to know about this message. I am not ashamed of the gospel. There's nothing better than this gospel message. And then he says, why am I not ashamed? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm in it because it is God's power. Now, that word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. So when you think of dynamite, when right, you think of a bomb, right? it's powerful, right? it has huge power. And so obviously he's saying it's power, but he's, he's saying it is the power of God for salvation. Now, obviously there may have been a temptation for him, and obviously for a lot of Christians in this time, to be ashamed of the gospel because Paul writes it himself in, you know, in somewhere else where he says it's a stumbling block to the Jews, right? it's foolishness to the Gentiles. And so Paul is saying people in the world might think that the gospel is foolishness. People might think it's dumb. People might think it's silly. Honestly, when you share about Jesus with somebody and you tell them about how God became a man, right, how Jesus was born in a manger as a baby, right, how he lived on earth, you know, he had to go to the cross and he had to suffer and he was beaten and he had to have nails in his hands. Honestly, somebody who hears that might think that is silly. Why would God come here? Why would, like, all of this, why? And it may sound like foolishness. It may even be a stumbling block, but he's saying, "I'm not ashamed of it because it is power. It is God's power to do the unthinkable, to do a miracle of saving everyone who believes, of saving sinners like us." I remember, I think I was in seminary when we had a, a visiting professor come to our, our school at Westminster, and he shared a story about power that actually kind of stuck with me. He I think he grew up in like the 60s or 50s. I forget, he was kind of old. And he shared about how when he was growing up, I think in the South, when you went to school, your, your social ladder would depend, your, your, your location on the ladder depended on your car. So as a high school student, if you had a nice car, right, you would, you would park in the front of the school. And everybody was like, oh, it's a nice car. But if you had like a not very nice car, you parked park far away from the school and you would you know, walk because you, know, you, you weren't worthy to park that close. And so he says one day, you know, him and his friends are hanging out, and in comes this new student with a beat up, rusty, just just ugly looking car, and he dares to park in the front of the school. And he said, whoa, what is is he doing? And he walks in, you know, says hello to people, and he said him and his friends were judging him. Who does he think he is? You dare to come here with that ugly, rusted, right? That kind of car, and you park here. So they said that Friday, they all had a mission. They're going to find him on the streets, and they're going to race him, and they're going to embarrass him. And so they said they all went looking for him that Friday night, and they all found him. And he said every single time they raced this guy, he smoked everybody. He just just wrecked them. And he said they were, like, shocked. How does this guy with that car do this? So they went looking for him again, and they asked him, what is up with this? And he said, he opened up the hood. And I remember this professor said a bunch of things. I don't know a lot about cars. So I don't remember what he said. But let's just put it this way. The engine was amazing. Right? The car on the outside might not have looked too good, but whatever was in that engine was really awesome. And so because this guy, he had an ugly car on the outside, but because the inside of that car was so powerful, was so amazing, He was not embarrassed. He was proud of it. He had no problem parking right in front of the school, Why? because he knew what he had. See, as a Christian, sometimes we might think, oh man, the gospel, doesn't sound that great. People judge me for it, right, it might, you know, sound like kind of silly to people, and we might be even embarrassed or even ashamed to talk about it. But when I know that power of God, when I know that it is this gospel. That has transformed a sinner like me. Me who is to be condemned for all eternity. I've been forgiven. I've been saved. And I know not just me, but anyone and everyone who accepts Christ or who hears this gospel, who loves this gospel, who puts their faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior will be completely transformed. They will be saved. It doesn't matter if they're Jew or it doesn't matter if they're Greek. It doesn't matter if they're male or female, rich or poor. If they hear this gospel... And they cherish this gospel, and when they put their faith in Christ, everything changes. And when I know that power, when I know how amazing this gospel is, how can I not want to share it? How could I be ashamed of it? I boast in it. And so my hope, my prayer this afternoon is that as a church that we would cherish this gospel. We will remember the power of this gospel and that we will say, you know what? I am obligated. I am eager to share this gospel and to support those who are sharing this gospel here and all over the world. And I want, I'm not ashamed of it. No, I boast in it. Because there's nothing as powerful and amazing as this gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you, and we worship you. Father, we think today again about the gospel, how good it is, and we remind us, Father, that we are obligated, but also that we are called to be eager to preach, to share this gospel, because we are not ashamed of the gospel, because it is so beautiful, it is so powerful, and it has transformed our lives. And we pray that we could take part in sharing this gospel all over the world, so that more and more people will come to know Christ and worship you with us for all eternity. We thank you, we praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.